This foolhardy gun debate that has taken hold in America. Post the shooting in Indianapolis, my beloved city. But maybe it's the shooting that took place, well, there's been quite a few. I don't think we do ourselves any favor by denying there have been people out there killing others. I don't think we do ourselves any good with this at all. It'd be foolhardy to think that we don't have a problem. We have a problem, but is that problem a gun problem? I argue no. I think rational people do. Irrational people have nothing else. Irrational people gladly state that it's the issue of guns. Never noting the good things that happen with a gun. Never noting the people whose lives are saved with a gun. Well, Tony, the statistics overwhelmingly say, no, 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 no. The statistics that you want to cite in this fight are not the ones that get down to the granular level of, does the person feel safer? Did they do everything possible to protect themselves and the ones they love? This is the conversation. Do they have a chance? Now, I take this from a very, very personal level, and then I'm going to build it out into what it is that we're seeing. What it is, this anti-gun conversation that's taking place, and why it is so backwards. However, it doesn't mean that questions can't get asked. And one of the problems is, is that there is such a defense mechanism up that we don't even take the time to properly answer the question for people who may very well be earnestly asking it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. It's good to be with you guys. It really is. On the personal level is my father, who's 83. My father can't walk the way he used to. I saw him just a couple of weeks ago. He shuffles. He's listening right now, and he's like, why are you telling people that I shuffle? Because, Dad, you shuffle. It's, it, 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 I don't have anything against it. You're 83. You beat the over-under by a lot. You didn't think you'd live to be 83, and neither did I. So good on you. He can't walk the way he used to. He used to walk through walls. I'm sure he could still give the wall a little bit of a scare, but he doesn't walk the way he used to. It's something to watch your parents get older, as you, as you well know. Um, he can't physically move the way he used to. So everywhere he goes, my father carries a, a, a firearm. He's not paranoid. He's not deluded. What he wants is that mental set of knowing that no matter what goes down, he has a chance. All of the gun grabbers in America, all the anti-Second Amendment people, all of the gun bigots in America mean nothing compared to that one feeling. And I honestly don't give a good holy damn if they think that feeling is legitimate. I say this 40 minutes from where the shooting took place at the FedEx Ground Center, where eight people were murdered here in Indianapolis. The shooter, the suspect, took their own life. So nine people dead. Eight people were murdered. None of them deserve to die.
None of those eight people deserve to die. Absolutely not. And I would have wished for each and every one of them the opportunity to protect and defend themselves. I would wish for each one of them the opportunity I wish for my own father. It's not that my father should have it and your father shouldn't. It is that in this pursuit, in this constant nonsense attack that we call gun violence, gun violence. It's never knife violence. I think we call it domestic violence. That's the only other one that I can categorize. We don't ever talk about what lies beneath. The mental illness at play, the culture at play, the other issues at play always always oh we just gotta get rid of the guns if getting rid of the guns means my father can't feel like he can protect my mother then the answer is no and if you say to me well your father's not important i'll say to you let's let's go at it my father's feelings don't matter it's funny in a world of of political correctness where you're told only your feelings matter now the feelings of my 83 year old father don't matter it's amazing how that works that's the personal let's build it out a little bit sometimes it's unfair to do the personal right people take their own lives and they use them as these these shields right and that's how they they're they're able to uh, avoid conversation right it's like when somebody says to me oh i like if i'm talking about kids or i'm talking about like 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 something having to do with children uh, and they'll say you wouldn't say that to my kid i say to them you want me talking to your kid because i'll do it where where is junior i'll talk to him right now oh he's gonna learn something (laughs) junior is gonna get an education when i'm done i don't change the way i talk are you crazy of course not but the 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 idea that you know people take it to the personal and and there is a firearm subject that i will one day get to that i could take to the hyper personal and will explain fully my second amendment views But let's take it to a a larger conversation. And let's take this conversation of firearms. First, I took it to the personal and said of my father, like you might say of your father, it allows them to have a chance. And having that chance is everything. I believe having that chance is everything. And that is enough for me to say the Second Amendment is sacrosanct and remains. But now let's take it to the larger. This was a conversation that took place in Indianapolis, something called Wish TV. It's a local television outlet, independent. And it's funny, they, they, they were with one of the big guys, I think they used to be with CBS or something like that, then some things moved around. And so they're like, all right, we're an independent now, we don't have the big network with us, we'll just continue to flood news, and we'll be like an all-day news channel. They've done a, they've done a pretty good job of it, i got to admit. I got to admit that what they've been able to to put together there, I think I think works and has been actually an asset. I don't know where you live. You have uh, a local station that's doing local news uh, mostly, like all day. It's 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 nice to have. You know, you it, it's it's like they brought radio to TV. All the respect in the world. And on this this Sunday show, uh, a an anchor, a woman by the name of Drew Blair is speaking to a state senator, J.D. Ford. And of course, it's about the shooting that took place in Indianapolis, as so much of the news in the country was. But you know, when it happens in, in your backyard, it's, 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 it is more of a story. So of course, they're talking about it. And she asks, uh, rather, one of these kinds of, of uh, focused but uh, probable questions. 
What is your message to your constituents and the greater community? Well, right. What is it that you think about guns? What is it that that you're that you want to tell the community about about guns? And uh, I want you to hear J.D. Ford's state senator, J.D. Ford's answer. Well, you know, so this week we passed Senate Resolution 39, which basically was saying that the policy of the state of Indiana is to keep, uh, you know, and the right to bear arms. And look, everybody supports the Second Amendment. Um, but, you know, when does your right to bear arms stop at my right to live? And I think. So let's take a step. Because there are two things. Maybe I should have given a fair warning on that one. That one could make you scream. First, let's get into the idea that he states that everybody supports the Second Amendment. He knows when he's saying that, that that is absolutely positively not true. No, not all people support the Second Amendment. This, of course, is not true. Now, I could sit here and scream at him and say, oh, what a dummy, oh, what a fool, oh, so ridiculous. I'm taking the attempt here to phrase things in such a way and to push things in such a way, to engage in such a way that maybe I can crack through this anti-gun zealotry and we can get to a bit more specifics. It is obvious to me that when you say, no, 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 we all support the Second Amendment, that of course you know that is completely untrue. There are many people, certainly on the political left, J.D. Ford being a Democrat, who do not favor the Second Amendment and would eradicate it as quickly as they could. But it's the second part that's worth the notice saying that the policy of the state of Indiana is to keep, uh, you know, and the right to bear arms. And look, everybody supports the Second Amendment. Um, but, you know, when does your right to bear arms stop at my right to live? And I think when does your right to bear arms stop at my right to live? Meaning what if your rights are impinging upon my rights now? I will admit to you, the first thing I went to actually had nothing to do with gun rights. The first thing I went to was, I think it would be pretty interesting for people who support Planned Parenthood to have this conversation. When do your rights, when do you lose your rights when they impinge on my rights? Right? Certainly the unborn can ask that question. But the truth is, I mean, that's me trying to fit the square peg into the round but honest hole, and, and it doesn't work, so, so let's stick to, to what works. Name for me another right, Senator Ford, that you would diminish in order to protect, quote-unquote, others. Well, Tony, no other rights are taking people's lives. No, but it's taking their freedom, just like we're seeing in the right to free speech. Just like we're seeing big tech do. And you'll notice, at least us guys, we oppose both things. We oppose taking away the Second Amendment and Second Amendment liberties. We oppose the idea of gun registration in terms of these these massive databases or having to register your ammunition or making these things public so people know who has what. 
And we oppose the people saying you're not allowed to speak or you should get fired or you should get doxxed or you should get canceled because these things are fundamentally wrong and go against not only the American ethos, but the very concepts of freedom and liberty. The idea of natural law, that you have the right to protect and defend yourself, not because your nation gives that to you, but because God gives that to you. You exist, or if you don't want to think of it in terms of God, because of the laws of nature, your very existence means you have the right to protect and defend yourself. You have the right to speak. You have the right to speak your mind. Well, no amendment is absolute, says President Joe Biden. We're not discussing whether or not you should yell fire in a crowded theater. That's the, 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 the chattering classes nonsensical talking point. The question is, are you allowed to speak? The question is, do you get destroyed in the public square and and you have your life threatened and your job threatened because you spoke? Will people proactively work to silence you? Whether that be your government or whether it be government in concert with corporations, as we see a la Georgia and their voting laws. I put forth to you that the statement from Senator Ford, whether he knew it or not, and maybe I'm the first person to share this information with him, is a violent statement and is a violent statement against anybody who believes in their rights and believes in the exercise thereof. When does your right to, to bear arms, uh, you know, lose out or compete with my right to live? It doesn't. You have the right to live and I have the right to bear arms. But a 19-year-old with a history of mental issues walked in and started killing people. That has nothing to do with me and the Second Amendment. And the idea that you think I should be curtailed in that Second Amendment because of the actions of a 19-year-old I never met... Never had any influence on, never talked to, never anything, right? I'm not him. My father is not him. Your father is not him. That, that is not only an un-American point of view, but one of radicalness and anger and violence. Some people say nasty things. Do you believe in taking away the free speech of others because of some people? And to that end, will you start with Louis Farrakhan, that anti-Semite, that bigot, that anti-white bigot, that anti-gay bigot? You see, I'm, I'm the subject of his talks, right? I'm the subject of what Farrakhan talks about here the jews don't like farrakhan so they call me hitler well that's a good name hitler was a very great man when he says that jews are termites i'm the subject and never once in all my years of radio have i ever said lewis farrakhan shouldn't be allowed to speak But you, Senator Ford, said, I shouldn't be allowed to protect and defend myself. My father shouldn't be allowed to protect and defend himself or his 73-year-old wife. Yeah, my father married young. He's a player. This nonsensical, foolhardy gun debate. 
because it's all they go to because it's easy. Because you are an easy target. You are easy to pummel. You are easy to hurt. You are easy to insult. And maybe they can get one over on you. When the real subject is the mental illness and how we deal with it as a nation. When the real issue is the culture and how we deal with it as a nation. They will talk about what happened in Indianapolis, and rightly so. They won't talk about this weekend's violence and murders in Chicago or Detroit or San Francisco or New York. They won't talk about the crime rates being up and the murder rates being up in Los Angeles. That's why it's a foolhardy debate. And there are people out there on your local level suggesting that maybe these rights, you shouldn't have them. So it starts off foolhardy, and then it becomes violent itself. I'm fully aware of what happened 40 minutes away, and I'm here to tell you the Second Amendment remains. And I certainly will be fighting for it. I'm Tony Katz. So people are sharing that Apple is letting Parler back on the App Store, but I thought that had already been happening. You understand that Parler, the social media app, was taken down for doing nothing wrong. They were taken down because you had tech companies engage in collusion to go after someone, another company. Oh, I think there should be lawsuits aplenty. We should see emails, phone records, all of it. Discovery will be amazing. Meanwhile, Apple, which has been all about Black Lives Matter... They had a mural that was painted outside their store uh, there in Portland, and they donated the mural to uh, something called Don't Shoot Portland, right? They They had this historic Black Lives Matter mural, right? They've given money. They've been totally supportive. So this weekend, rioters set the Apple store on fire in Portland, Oregon. It is important for all of these groups and all of these do-gooders and all of these pseudo-intellectuals to note the facts. You cannot save yourself. The mob is coming. The mob must feed, and the mob will feed on you. What you have done before does not matter. They determined you bad. They had to burn something, and you were right there. Maybe Apple will learn their lesson. Maybe. This is Tony Katz today. So there was uh, some news made because the Prime Minister of Japan was in town. And when he's here, you know it's a party. Hey! Is that not it? Is that no? No? Okay. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Get the podcast at TonyKatz.com. T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z. TonyKatz.com. And all the cool things uh, that we're doing. It was It was a meeting. I I mean, there's a lot of work going on between Japan and the United States. China is actually very upset. They feel that the United States and Japan are ganging up on them. And I say, good. Very, very good. I could not be more pleased with such an idea. 
China, of course, is the is the enemy of free and thinking people. Japan is fully aware of this. Japan has bigger issues when we talk about uh, the Yellow Sea, the South China Sea, the Sea of Japan, and how China thinks they should control everything, including those shipping lanes. It's an issue. But that's only part of the story they, they, that the Japanese prime minister is here. What was interesting to some people is that Kamala Harris is the one who met the prime minister, not Joe Biden. Joe Biden's the president. Kamala Harris is the vice president. Now, it's possible that there's a moment where the vice president does the meeting, but it's it's odd. It's odd. Now, one could argue that, you know what, this is the Joe Biden way. He likes to spread it around. He wants people to be able to get an understanding of how to do things. You know, he's really grooming Kamala Harris to be the next president. So he's giving her these opportunities and giving her tips. I mean, picture how they would they would spin the thing. Wait, one day they're going to use that. Sooner rather than later, they'll use exactly what I said. You'll be like, my gosh, Tony Katz, like Marcellus Wallace was right. But it's odd. And people are right to say that's odd. World leader and such a time and, and with, with such importance uh, things going on. Uh, and and this is who you, this is who's meeting with the prime minister. It's odd. No, the odd part is that when they all sat, and the prime minister is there, and President Biden is there, and Biden's reading off his little index cards because he has little index cards. He does. He has little index cards. I don't. Th- I don't think it's the worst thing. I just think it's an odd thing. Um, he was double masked. The prime minister is wearing an N95 mask. Joe Biden, the president of the United States, is wearing two masks. He was vaccinated. What in the world is he wearing two masks for? He was vaccinated. What's he doing? Well, he wants to make sure other people don't get it. Wearing two masks? As Ellen Carmichael, who's in the the public relations world, noted, that's some horrible messaging. And it is, it is horrible messaging. This is Governor Ron DeSantis on the subject of masks and vaccines. So my view is, is, you know, if if you get a vaccine, the vaccines are effective, you're immune. And so act immune. Uh, if you tell people the opposite, then, gee, you know, why, if it's not effective for them and it's not going to change anything, then what's the point of going through it? This is the messaging that Anthony Fauci and governors across the country couldn't figure out. You can't tell people that the vaccine is here, but you're still got to wear a mask every day for the rest of your life. It doesn't work. It does not work. So why in the world are you are you pushing it? There's nobody who actually listens to Anthony Fauci anymore, is there? Hold on, I can hear people screaming from their cars, no. Look at the person next to you, they were screaming too. Give them a wave, they're a friend. There is no trusting, there is no faith in Dr. Fauci. Zero. Zero faith in Anthony Fauci. Why? Because every time Anthony Fauci speaks, he will tell you something a little bit different. Something that allows him to get back on television. He's way too interested in a video camera. 
Even the Kardashian girls say, okay, that's enough photos for one day. Not Anthony Fauci. Never. And he's not trusted. If you were to talk about people who are trusted in America, Fauci doesn't make the list. Now, there are governors who have had absolutely horrible plans and horrible mitigation and have really bought into the fear. As as we described, the fear porn. And we're not the first people to say it, but certainly I'm happy to use it. Fear porn, right? The idea people want to be afraid. They want to make you afraid. They want to spread this fear. Oregon, the state of Oregon, um, is saying they're going to, or at least considering, extending the rules indefinitely that require masks and social distancing in all businesses in the state. They will keep them in place until they are, and I am quoting here, no longer necessary to address the effects of the pandemic in the workplace. So they're going to have an indefinite mask order. In Michigan, the governor, Gretchen Whitmer, wants masks on everybody over the age of two. I don't know if you've ever had a two-year-old. But you're not going to get them to wear a mask. You can't get them to wear pants. Any Look in the car next to you. They're shaking their head. They're your friends. Say hello. Everybody knows this. Anybody who's got a cousin or a nephew or has ever watched a movie ever or a comic who says, oh, I got kids. Oh, I got kids. Like, that's how they start. And then you're like, oh, he's going to say something relatable. That's that's it's it's low comedy, people. Don't ask me to quote it, please, for the love of the of love of the Lord. But everybody will tell you, you can't get a two year old to do anything. A two-year-old will crap their pants, throw them at you, and say, wasn't that fun? And then do it again. And the angrier you are, the happier they are. See, I could take that on stage. I could do that routine. And then people go, oh, it's so relatable. A two-year-old wearing a mask is a ridiculous idea. It's not science. That's fear porn. But nothing beats Ontario. Nothing beats Ontario, Canada. I want you to know this is not a second city skit. No, no, no. That would be that would be Chicago. So who were the guys in Canada with Eugene Levy and John Candy? Wasn't that Second City Television? No, that's Chicago. You're right. Yeah, I know, but they were from Second City TV. Is when they did the those kinds of uh, of skits. Eh, go with me. This is not a skit. This is not a joke. This actually happened. This is Canadian authorities in Ontario talking about masks. We have implemented the strictest measures in all of North America. And the difficult truth is every public health measure we have left comes with a massive cost to people and their lives. But we have never shied away from doing what's necessary. We have made the deliberate decision to temporarily enhance police officers' authority for the duration of the stay-at-home order. Moving. Can we just, how creepy is her voice? Can we just, I'm not trying to make fun of, I'm not trying to make fun of her, uh, although I, I should. Just how creepy is this? 
but we have never shied away from doing what's necessary. We have made the deliberate decision to temporarily enhance police officers' authority for the duration of the stay-at-home order. Please report directly to your homes. Do not try to leave your homes. We are watching you for your safety. It's always for your safety, the safety of your children. Don't you love your children? Stay at home for the safety of your children. It's creepy as can be. Temporarily enhancing. Man, George Orwell is somewhere in a corner pleasuring himself to this word talk. Are you nuts? And they're not done. It gets worse. I never lie. Moving forward, police will have the authority to require any individual who is not in a place of residence to first provide their purpose for not being at home and provide their home address. Tell us why you're not at home. Tell us where you're supposed to be so we can monitor you. This is happening. This is happening in our lives in the Northern Hemisphere, or I should say in the Western Hemisphere, right? And they're, they're cool with it. No, no, no. This is just what has to happen. Police will also have the authority to stop a vehicle to inquire about an individual's reason for leaving their residence. And our inspectors will also be ensuring that those who absolutely must come to work are strictly following the public health measures. For our employers and employees, take note. This is your last warning. Anytime the government is warning you, that's a time to maybe rethink government. Oh, Tony, are you pushing for, for, for insurrection? No. <laughs> I laugh because you know how quickly the governors of places like Michigan and Oregon are going to look at this and be like, hmm, this is a good idea. Oh, they're not done. It gets worse. It gets, I'll just let it run. Um, I'm wondering about these new police powers to just randomly stop someone walking down the street or to pull over a car. What happens if uh, if a person refuses to answer the police questions? So by issuing these new additional enforcement measures, it allows police officers to ask the person why they are not at their place of residence and what their place of residence is. And specifically to your question, um, if you are not willing to comply, then you are breaking the law. If you're not willing to comply. Guys... This is the horror story. This is it. This is the diseased thinking. And this is what happens when you give government too much power. And this is government having too much power. And if Canadians want to sit there and take that, okay, I will gladly think less of Canadians. But... We should note, I do think less of some Americans who said, oh, the government says we're not allowed to gather at church. I guess we're not going to gather at church. You let the government decide where you pray? OMG. Are you kidding me right now? That's crazy. Yes, I think less of those people. Now, maybe they'll come around and I'll be like, hey, good for you.
Now, if you say to me, Tony, what about your synagogue? My synagogue decided to have only virtual. And I said, yeah, it's not going to work for me. I said the words. And the more I think about it, the more they said to me, hey, here's the Zoom thing. I I love my synagogue, but no, no. No, I'll I'll stick at home. I want to gather. By the way, you can now gather. I want to gather. I'm a grown-up. I'll make the call. I'll make the decision. Not some governor. Not some fakakta mayor. This is where they are in Canada, people. This is who they are in Canada. And if you think that's bad. Someone sees um, uh, their neighbors uh, breaking these these new regulations um, and, and having a party in their yard, that sort of thing. Should should people call police on their neighbors? In terms of people calling um, to snitch to inform. Um, Look, we all have a personal responsibility. If it means saving lives, then I think we have to think about what your social responsibilities are as an individual to make sure that you don't empower other people and invite a whole bunch of individuals to your home. So yes, snitch on your neighbors. Be looking, check over the fence, be sure to call. Won't you be good? Don't you want to be on the good list? You don't want to be on the bad list. Hmm. Imagine if you're on the bad list. Your move, Ontario. But I think it's funny. We'll have businesses not do business in Georgia before they don't do business in Ontario. Because in Ontario, it's real oppression. But they can't get any social media mileage out of it. I'm Tony Katz. So they mock the crypto. They mock cryptocurrency, right? They're not buyers. They're not believers in Bitcoin or anything else. Well, they're the people losing out. But then there's the people who didn't believe in Dogecoin. They were right. Dogecoin is ridiculous. D-O-G-E. It was a goof. Someone made it, you know, and, and, and the mascot was their, was it their dog? That's why it's called Doge. Except a funny thing happened. They did such a good job in creating the mocking. The people started buying the coin. All right. Not seriously. It was worth like a nickel. Remember, Bitcoin right now is worth $60,000, give or take. But there was a while Bitcoin was also worth a nickel. And then a funny thing happened over the end of last week. It went up to 40 cents. Some people made millions of dollars on this insanity. Uh, I'm here to tell you, I can't advise you. I cannot advise you on whether or not you should be buying Dogecoin. Producer Ari, he's already bought $500,000 worth. I would never. You're right, $499,000 worth. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, he is swimming in Doge. Then again, oh, he doesn't even believe in crypto. Oh, it's such a bubble. I can hear people yelling at you now. Let him yell. Um, I I am a uh, believer. I am I am there for uh, for for the cryptocurrency. Is the price high right now? Uh, yeah, but I don't I don't know where it's going. I'm not good enough to be able to make that call. 
Would I suggest to you buying Doge? Gosh, no. Don't ever listen to me about a stock or crypto. What are you, nuts? My point is, there's curiosity. My point is, is that crypto is real. And it's here to stay. This is my take. There's buy-in. Is every little coin that everyone puts out there worthy of buying into? No. Is the technology underneath more important than the blockchain? Yes. But you might want to look into some of these things and make your own decisions. This is Tony Katz today.